0: Welcome to the Hoop Collection Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday night this week. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, is Band McMahon.
1: Howdy, partners.
0: Who wasn't banned from his daughter's volleyball game tonight, where she had the winning point.
1: Yeah, big, big time. And I met the boyfriend afterwards. It was a successful evening.
0: Yes, we're not going to go into details there, but let's just say that uh, uh, we heard about it from McMahon and He's all very, smiles
1: all smiles no snarls
0: okay he's a very he can be a very intimidating man he, hence you know the fact that he was banned from multiple NBA arenas
1: <laughs> only from one <laughs> multiple <laughs> times. go on
0: okay sorry that's sorry for that That correction joining us from Boston Massachusetts where I don't think we've talked to you from Boston in a while Tim Bon-Temps.
2: I've been all over the place but now I'm back
0: well on Monday you were in Philadelphia and uh, we saved it um, uh, be, to talk about the Sixers. And, you know, now it's going to seem like it was, uh, you know, I really don't want to talk about Ben Simmons every uh, podcast. And I, I, I promise you that I really don't. I do. It's, it's, it's,
1: it's, it's fun. Drama's fun.
2: We're going to talk about it.
0: I know, but I well, really we're going to talk I about can... it when there's
2: news. And right now there's news.
0: So, All right, well, I wish I wish. I wish it was something else, but it's here. And um, Joel Embiid, who, how would you describe his demeanor Monday on temps as he was calling for Ben to come home? Uh, I would was say... It, was it restrained, like, with a forced smile? Or do you think... Because I, I think his true colors came out today, but I'll wait for that.
2: I would say the Sixers handled... Monday's media day, as you would expect a team in this situation to handle it in that they said all the right things, but if you read between the lines, you could sort of see where everybody was at. Right. Mm -hmm. For example, doc rivers was asked about, uh, why did Ben say he wanted to be traded when he met with them? And he said, well, he didn't really say to the level that they, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. He didn't really say to the level that we felt comfortable with in terms of knowing exactly why. And then doc says, But it is hard to play here. He didn't say that, to be clear. But it is hard to play here. Uh, I can't say he said that, but it is hard to play here. Which, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said, which is, I'd say, a rather veiled shot at Ben Simmons for his unwillingness to want to be in Philadelphia. Finally veiled. Well,
1: he didn't really say, but um, the the vibe I got was just because he's soft. (laughs) Because he's soft. That's probably why.
2: And then, you know, Joel Embiid talked for a very long time. Uh, including about five minute back and forth with me where I asked him, what would you say to Ben if you'd had the chance to actually talk to him? And he paused for about 15 seconds and then said, I'd say I'm disappointed and then talked for about a minute and a half. And then I said, well, what do you mean by disappointed? And then he talked for another minute and a half and didn't say why he was disappointed. And then I said, just to be clear, so it's not taken out of context. Why did you say you'd be disappointed? Which he then finally said, well, I'm disappointed that it's gotten to this point and I think we can win with Ben and I want him to be here But he also sprinkled throughout his time on his 20 minutes on Monday, things like, you know, we all just need to grow up and we all need to stop paying attention to the fans. And all these lines Mm -hmm. that, while are true, I think you could say were like kind of coded shots at Ben Simmons, if you wanted to look at it that way. Well, and if he was being,
1: if if Embiid was being brutally honest, he'd say, well, I'm disappointed because his value has gone through the crapper and (laughs) you know, we all want
2: to trade them, but we can't because we can't get anything good in return. Well, and then we come to today to Brian's point when in the middle of a very, very, very long answer about, uh, you know, the comments. Yeah. I I kind of don't want
0: to, I kind of don't want to read it all because Well, but
2: all, all I want, all that matters, all that matters is in a very long answer to a question about, there's a report out that you, uh, that, you know Ben Simmons slash his people have decided that playing with you isn't going to work. What do you say to that? Is to sum it up, Joe? I'll give a very long answer, and in the middle of it, he said, "We've always tried to build the team around him. We even got rid of you know again I'm paraphrasing. Mm. We even got rid of Jimmy Butler, which by the way I still think is a mistake." And then went yes. on from there, and that was very clearly choosing Ben over Jimmy. So again, like th- this whole situation is going to be well, yeah, He
0: basically yeah he said we had to sign al horford instead of jimmy yes. butler because i mean he we said many
2: people he said he said many things but the jimmy butler point in particular mm. was it, yeah. that said everything about the situation and look and,
1: and do you think they trade simmons for butler right now
2: <laughs> right well and look today is a win for ben simmons because look daryl morey as we have talked about many times on this podcast is not going to make a move to make the Sixers worse. And that means he's not going to trade Ben Simmons for a deal that makes the Sixers worse than if they had Ben Simmons, unless he absolutely has to. And he is one of the few owner, few general managers in the league who is secure enough in his position and is secure enough in his ability to navigate this, that he's going to wait until he gets a deal that he wants, no matter how complicated it gets until that position changes. And while I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon for a variety of reasons, Days like today are going to make that harder because right. if you so, have Joel Embiid right. talk for four minutes or several minutes about how disappointed he is in this comment being out there and all these things about Ben Simmons and saying all the stuff that he said today, that kicks up the oxygen in the room towards yes. getting a deal done, which is what Ben Simmons and his people want.
0: T- today was a victory for Ben Simmons. I, even with Joel Embiid throwing him I don't know, I don't like the term throwing him under the bus, whatever he did, dragging him through the mud. It was a win for Ben because it is it is drama that is exactly what the holdout is designed to do, which is to make yeah. you uncomfortable so that it gets resolved.
1: And, and whether the fit with Embiid is the real reason he wants out, because I mean I feel like you know, we're gonna we've gone through several reasons he wants out, but whether that's the real reason or not. It's something that was going to get a reaction. It's something that was going to cause dramas, cause some right. chaos, you know, get Embiid's right. blood boiling. And yeah. Embiid, Embiid's, it's not quite
0: as, he, it's not quite he, as bad as a your mom joke, but it had it's the same provocative, uh, yeah, and, concept.
1: And, and Embiid's response was honest and truthful, and you know, like the idea of uh, Ben Simmons as the go-to guy who you're building everything around offensively has a ton of flaws and the Simmons Greek fake uh, comp is extremely flawed. I mean, they are not the Well, same it's like
0: Doc had to like go through machinations for speaking the truth. That was yeah. another thing that happened, you know, bleeding up to this doc had to, you know, basically pull out fake news tropes about his yeah comments. misconstrued. Like, yeah, I mean, doc, I don't yeah, I mean, know. Doc is right.
2: Right. But doc is disingenuous at best on this point.
0: That's the holdout. That's the holdout taking root. That's, you know, getting into their heads. And, and you know, in this answer, Joel very clearly had seen it, was yeah. aggravated by it. Who knows who they
2: – And he, he called bull stuff.
0: And, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it is distracting the team. So yeah.
2: well, and, I, and I actually think to your – I actually think this is an example of why overall I think the way that Simmons has handled this is not going to allow him to get traded sooner. Because this happened because of a story that came out about the situation, which was then asked to Joel. There's only so many ways that can happen. Whereas, as we've seen in the past, if the guy is there every day and is having to, you know, it's like a visible person there. It's a lot harder for the team to be out of sight, out of mind.
0: And, and so, the, old- and
1: and that's where Doc and Embiid are, you know. I'm not even going to say passive aggressively because they've been pretty aggressive and, 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 and at least implying that the reason Simmons is doing this is because he's soft and because he can't handle the heat, especially in a town like Philly. So they're kind of challenging him almost like, you know, you're not tough enough uh, to, 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 to come here. Okay. And, I and agree deal that, with all this.
0: I agree. Well, first off, he doesn't have to give interviews every day. These guys do. So that's one thing. He is getting fined, but I'm going to speak to that in a minute. The he doesn't have to. You're right, Temps. He will eventually fade away a little bit because we're going to get into games and everything like that. But he will never be fully away because yeah. they are just one bad loss or one bad week away from it becoming a big issue, which, again, is the concept of why the holdout in theory will work. Now, let me just. So, t- so tomorrow, this podcast is going to come out on Friday. I don't know if we will get this information on Friday or if we'll get it next week or we'll ever get it, but on Friday, we've talked about this before, Ben Simmons is owed eight point two five million dollars as part of his contract getting advance money. Now the Sixers have fined him this week. Those fines are less than two hundred thousand dollars, so maybe. If they take those fines out, he is only owed $8 million. But if they do not pay that amount, one, they're in breach of contract for which he can file arbitration. And yes, Simmons is in breach of contract too, but they are fining him according to the schedule of his contract. There's nothing in his contract that says if he doesn't report to training camp, they don't pay him this amount.
2: As a a quick aside... As a quick aside, this is part of why this is such an unprecedented situation and why there are a lot of people around the league very curious to see how this goes, because all okay. this stuff is is out in the open in a way it well, has not been in the past.
0: There, there was an owner's meeting on Wednesday, and I don't know for a fact, but I was led to believe that discussing the Simmons situation was something that the owners intended to do. I have not heard. Maybe I will hear soon, but... Um, as you can imagine, this is something that they would want to uh, deal with and potentially uh, have, a, such, have a plan for. Because if this works, which maybe it will, maybe it won't, it only encourages other players to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he's owed eight million bucks. If he doesn't get it, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be another distraction, whether it leaks out now or leaks out a little bit later. Um, and. If I were Josh Harris, the owner, I wouldn't want to pay him the that, that million bucks. I don't blame him that, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't pay him, it undercuts everything they were saying this week about wanting him to come back. If he, they don't pay him, that means. I mean, I know they're already at war, but that like really means war. But let me tell you about something that I call the Termini Doctrine. Now, very few people will know what the hell I'm talking about, but that's why I'm going to tell you what it is. Mark Termini is an agent in the NBA. He has been an agent in the NBA since the 80s. Um, he has is, he is, uh, become more prominent in the recent years because he was Rich Paul's partner at Clutch for uh, the majority of their start. He is no longer with Clutch. Um, but anybody who knows Mark Termini, and I do, will tell you one of the things that he accomplished was in 1992. And I know many of our listeners were not born. In 1992, I was in eighth grade. But in 1992, Jim Jackson was a rookie with the Dallas Mavericks. McMahon, do you remember the Jim Jackson holdout? How old were you? you Uh, I was.
1: I was. I was in high school. I'd been shipped off, so I couldn't read the morning news every day. But uh, you know, obviously, you grew up here and and familiar with this. This is before Tony Braxton even came into the picture.
2: (laughs) Okay, so a tie into our later Dallas discussion. By the way,
0: good. So, this is before there was a rookie salary scale. And um, so, rookies, there was a salary cap you had to follow, but rookies could negotiate their contracts with whatever they could get. And occasionally there were holdouts. And this one was the longest holdout of them all. He held out until March. Okay. He did not sign his contract until March. And Granted, the media situation was different back then, but I tr- but trust me when I tell you it was a topic of conversation throughout the entire season in Dallas because this guy Jim Jackson, who I think was a top four pick,
1: yeah, I, th- I want to say he was fourth pick. overall. Yep.
0: Okay. Um, he was obviously expected to be a cornerstone player of their team going forward, and he signed his contract in March. I don't remember how much it was for, but when he signed his contract, he got all of his money. And trust me, throughout that time, there was, um, we're going to find them. He's not going to get this money. There was all kinds of posturing. And Mark Termini, who is, if you ever were to meet him is one of the most stoic and, and soft-spoken men, but he has got an iron will. And the point reason that is important is because he was a guy who helped rich paul developed his negotiating technique mm-hmm. i promise you that rich paul is extraordinarily educated on the termini doctrine that, that you're going to get all your money and the termini doctrine went into effect with Tristan thompson who held out through training camp into the season he signed his contract guess what he got all of his money J.R. smith missed time uh, now those guys were not in contracts those guys were uh were free agents but when they signed they got all their money um, they have employed the Termini Doctrine before. So even though Mark Termini is no longer with Clutch Sports, I promise you that Rich Paul is a big, is a big understander of the Termini Doctrine. And so you can find Ben Simmons. I don't care if they come out and say, say we're fining him $15 million. If Ben Simmons gets traded to the, to team X in January mm-hmm. and they, and he gets, he arrives um. Do you think that team is going to say, hello, Ben Simmons, our new franchise player or one of our franchise cornerstones for which our, we just made a bunch of our,
1: our number three option offensively,
0: whatever. Do you think that he's going to, they're going to say, Hey, actually we're going to keep those fines right. that the Sixers put in place for you. Well, there's, um, uh, there's, and,
2: and go ahead. No, I was going to say, you're right about that. But I think there's two significant things to discuss here. Hold on. on I'm strong. not done
0: with the terminology doctrine. Yet.
2: Okay. You got more to the, say. Got it.
0: The other thing is the fines may make the Sixers and their fans feel good short term. Like they may be like, Hey, well, you listen to their practice. There's hundred G's big boy. Or, you know, everything like that. And, and, and granted, like it will add up and you can put a meter on your website or in your newspaper or whatever. Um, but they are not going to find their way out of this situation. It's not (laughs) like they're going to say, it's not like Ben Simmons is going to say, well, I was waiting for the fines to hit 3.653 million. And now that they have, I guess I have to report. Um, so I'm just telling you the Termini doctrine is no matter what mud gets sling, slung, sling, slung, uh, no matter what anybody says, no matter what posturing there is, no matter what the paycheck may look like in November. Or what it may look like on January first, the player can still get his money, and maybe Ben Simmons may not get every single dime. But if if as, as we're sitting here in I guess it's October now when this podcast comes out, they I don't think that that the fines are going to be something that defines this, and so that's why when we get to Friday and they got to decide on the eight million bucks. Keep that in mind, and keep in mind that Ben Simmons and Rich Paul know. The doctrine. Okay, Bon Temps.
2: Well, I, I all that is true. The only two things I was going to say about this was, unlike all these other situations, Jr. Smith, Jim Jackson, Tristan Thompson, etc., the Sixers are done with Ben Simmons. I think so. They're not worried about trying to placate him. Like in those situations, mm-hmm. ultimately, all those teams wanted those guys to be back. But the so team that
0: will have, him, but the team that will have uh, him, will.
2: Yes, play. you're right. The other thing is. What if we do get to a scenario where he isn't traded by mid-February? What happens then? I'll be curious to see what happens then. I don't know what well, will if, he's,
0: if he sits out the entire season and plays for nobody. If that's your premise, then he probably will not get.
2: Well, I'm just, right. I'm just, I'm not saying that will happen either. But like again, this is as we have, if we've talked about before with this thing. This is a very weird situation in terms of trading this guy because a. He's got a four years on his contract and a ton of money owed to him. And B, as we've talked about ad nauseum, he's a very awkward fit to have on your team. And if you trade for him, you've got to commit to building around him. And therefore you have to find someone who wants to trade for him and build around him in a way that they really value him. Or Not necessarily. you have to have... Well, the other The or is if a Damian Lillard or someone like that is available to be traded for. And he is the centerpiece of it with other stuff, which right now that kind of player isn't available. So I mean, also it
1: would be a lot of other stuff.
2: That's what I mean. So it's, it's just a, this is such a weird situation on every front from the uniqueness of the contract situation, from the uniqueness of the fit situation, from the unprecedented nature of a holdout like this. I, it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes, which is why we keep talking about it. And again, like, I think you're right. I think he'll end up getting traded. I think we'll get his money, but I don't think it's quite as cut and dried as those other situations in the past. Well, you
0: there's know, nothing I, cut and dried about it. It's going to be messy. I, I
1: do wonder if the one downside to this new thing that uh, that the Simmons camp is putting out there, basically saying, "I got to be the man," you know, "you got to build around me," you know, "I'm the I'm the engine of this whole thing." Uh, that's why Philly's a bad fit. Like, who who wants Ben Simmons in that role? And if he, but, if he but again, so,
0: McMahon, they, they just want to make it uncomfortable. They I understand. just want to force him to get traded. The, the the content, the actual words, don't matter as much as the, the fact. That right, it ir- I, I, it I get
1: them. that. I get yes. that. But I, I, I think is, there's also some truth to he sees himself as that guy. He ain't that guy. Like this, let him be yes. the Greek freak. Embiid was right. Like, dude, they've they've. Gone to great lengths to try to tailor things around him. Now Embiid is, you know, going to cut some driving. Ramp. But look, Simmons, despite being a six foot ten chiseled freak athlete, explosive as hell, he's a league average finisher. And when you look at his field goal percentage at the, you know, at the rim, he's a league in part, average. In finisher. part,
2: I would argue because he's afraid to get fouled and
1: a hundred percent. And you compare him to Giannis. Giannis is elite. Giannis finishes at 73% at the rim. That's like 14 and a half points better than League average. Giannis
0: is not afraid to look bad. Well, listen, that's the thing. The, when Giannis
1: yes. struggles with free throws in the playoffs, he is attacking his ass off. And you know what? If he goes 8 of 18 from the line, so be it. He's still well, going he, to be attacking. When Simmons struggles with free throws, he hides. He hides from the ball. Giannis he, is he, a treasure. He tra- Trey Young. Yeah,
2: Trey Young comes and help coverage. Uh-oh, he might foul me. Uh, let me dump the ball off instead yes. of dunking. Giannis went. Giannis went. Giannis had all these foul shot troubles in the playoffs, right? And then went 17 for 19 from the foul line in game six, had 50 points at one of well, the greatest he games. He had of all the time. matrix,
0: matrix moment. And Ben yeah. and Ben
2: Simmons passed out of a dunk that could have tied a game except seven I three minutes yeah. ago. but, yeah, this but is, listen, this is
1: I'm not a, uh, this is not Ben uh, Simmons saying, I'm no, gonna take my ball and go home. The He's more, saying here. Take the ball away from me. I'm that, scared. I'm going home. <laughs>
2: that's right. The more interesting right. thing, though, is what you said earlier, but, McMahon, which is that this is the latest in a series of things that have been put out yes. by the Simmons camp to explain what's going on. And I think that is more proof of the fact that there isn't a the, like it's, I think you could maybe, you could draw some conclusions as to why they've had so many different things they've had to put out. But the bottom line is you're going to run out of different things you can say at some point. And that's why I think if the Sixers are patient, they're going to get into the season and games are going to be played. And I do think this story is going to fade into the background a bit because they still until they good, lose three out of four. I, I, I think, or, if or until a, some wing score lights them up for 40. I, mean, I think if they're a, right. I think if they're a decent team or better, I don't think there's going to be a drumbeat in Philadelphia for them know, to man. trade him for I'm, maybe, well, I will just say, having been there and having talked to people there, they are. The fans there are ready for them to move on from him, and the, I don't think there's going to be this drumbeat of you have to get Ben Simmons back or you have to trade him for something that's just just to get it over with, unless they're five and fifteen or something like that. And, and I, they and, were
0: the number one. They were the number one seed in these
2: last. Yes, I understand well, that. I would but say I this. Think, I think people the, are looking at it as a situation where this is their one chip to trade. And if they trade him for 25 cents on the dollar and it prevents them from going to get a star player later, that's not what they want to do.
0: I'm just going to say this. This is the great thing. The Sixers are betting that they will not have to trade him for 25 cents on the dollar. That as the season goes along, their strong play will give them leverage. Hmm. Simmons is betting and trying to bring home the point that every day that passes, another few cents come off what you can trade me for a,
2: And I, so I still, trade me now. and I think, I think ultimately what this comes down to is will Daryl Morey hold his nerve? And if you ask me whether Daryl Morey is going to hold his nerve and wait for a good trade to come along, or he's going to make the best deal he can make and trade him for 40 or 50 cents on the dollar or less, I'm going to bet on him holding his nerve.
0: Well, I'm going to say this. I was talking to a league executive today and you know what he was doing about Ben Simmons. He was raving about him. He was like, this guy can do so much. There's almost nobody out there who can defend like him. You go look at his numbers; he averaged like triple doubles in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's like, yeah, if you want to pull up that series against the Hawks, it's going to look bad. But when you work in this league, you don't just look at that series; you look at other things yeah. like that. And there right. are teams out there that really value him. And that's there's no question. Okay, there's own. no question. He's a
2: good player. But again, and, it's like the man said before: is someone going to trade? a package commensurate with a guy they see as a franchise guy they're going to build their team around. If that trade was on the table, Ben Simmons would be traded. He would be traded today if that trade I don't was on think the table. Gonna, it's I, don't not. Gonna, I don't think
0: you're going to I don't think you're going to build your team around and remember he's on the fun max. You don't have to build your team around it.
1: I mean, me okay, but that executive, goes back to your executive point. X and obviously you're not going to tell us or, or hint who the team is. Would would executive X trade his best player for Simmons?
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. That, that, they, would he trade his second yeah, best player for Simmons? He would, but that's a bad example because you don't know the team and best, he, they don't have anybody as good as him. Um, but, uh, but
1: that's a short, short list. Again, we go back to Minnesota and obviously,
0: <laughs> like I said, <laughs> I, I heard, there. I heard three, I heard of three teams today that have, that have well, recently, but again, there's been no question.
2: About- ben Simmons is a very good player. Teams are going to be interested in trading for Ben Simmons. That's not the question here is not. Can the Sixers trade Ben Simmons? The answer to that is yes. It's not that there's no, they get interested. a
1: superstar package that, can, that Maury's can, asking for.
2: Can they get a trade? that will make the Sixers either be as good as they are today with Ben Simmons or better. That is to me, the threshold that Daryl Morey is going to make a trade on. So until that, if that trade was sitting there today on September 30th, I think the Sixers would make that trade today. The fact that they have not made a trade to me is a clear sign that that trade is not available. And I think the question really becomes,
0: no, the question is, is that those offers going to get better or worse? That's the question. Uh,
1: and, and it's hard to see him getting better. It, it, it really is. Because if he's not playing, it's not like he's going to go restore well, his value. There's one,
2: there's one very significant point that we're leaving out, which is that as the season goes along, more and more teams can get involved in making trades. That, right now, yeah. there's very few logical trades on the board, just in general across the league. Because so many guys change teams in the summer, and teams are locked into contracts that they can't trade until December or January. Right. Everybody so, likes their team right
0: now anyway. They're not. Yeah, and you're to not, work, you and know. you don't want to yeah. blow
2: up a team early on. Right. Like, there's a lot of factors like that that when you get to December, January, February, that will change. So again, to me, this just comes down to: Will Daryl Morey hold his nerve?
1: Well, and there's another I'm gonna thing that he is. There's another thing that Morey and the Sixers have going for them in terms of being able to be patient, and that's that the Eagles. Appear to be an absolute tire fire, and <laughs> is, so like true. the local the local media is going to have its hands full. Uh, their attention won't fully shift to
2: uh, <laughs> to the i I'm just telling you, it's a like, fair. It's a true you. point. It's a true point.
0: <laughs> it's know. a true point. Well, and Ben Simmons needs the Eagles to win some games, right? He's because he, he <laughs> he's needs a big Jalen Hurts fan. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, look, and let's let's just say that let's just say that the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons until. Let's say they don't do a trade till January, okay? Like, to me, if Joel Embiid is relatively healthy, as long as he doesn't have a serious injury, they're going to win 60% of the games-ish that he plays in, if not more than that. So if he's healthy, they're going to be a solid team, a good team. Like, they have good players. They've mm-hmm. they got a pretty deep roster. Especially we'll see how Tyrese Max- does. Maxie makes a jump, yeah. That's right. So they have, to me, they have the ability to be a solid middle-of-the-east team as constructed right now. Like they're not the 10th best team in the East. They're somewhere in the middle of the playoff picture. So if they're that team, I think they're fine to chill and wait. I don't don't think there's going to be any clamoring for, um, we got to trade Ben Simmons now because we're a step behind Brooklyn today. I don't think anybody's looking at it that way. Everybody in Philly is going to be praying that the Blazers go five and 20 and Dame Lillard wants out. All right. Well, unfortunately to be
0: continued. um, So McMahon, you were at uh, Mavericks Media Day. Um, Jason Kidd is um, saying some stuff. Uh, yeah. As as coach, can you can you run us through some of the stuff that's been going on there? Well, uh, the,
1: two main things. Kind of his his emphasis to Luca is interesting, and he compared him to a young Picasso. And said, then said, I don't know if anybody ever told Picasso that he should use all of his paints, but uh, basically that Luca needs to learn to rely on his teammates more, that his teammates can help him. So he's kind of saying, Hey Luca, man, you're awesome, but dude, you're too much of a ball hog. We got to take, you got to, you got to share. And part of it, you know, he's he's talking about we need him fresh at the end of games, but also he's just like saying, you know, we you need to share more. And then the other thing, the other heavy emphasis, and this is obviously directly related is the unicorn, the return of the unicorn, boy, you know, KP just put in the corner by Rick Carlisle. Damn, Rick, that really wasn't fair. This kid, he's just got so much more talent than that. He's not just a three-point shooter who can crash from the corner on occasion. Man, there's no bad shot for Porzingis. We want him posting up. We want him taking mid-ranges. I mean, he did shoot 40% from mid-range the last two years. You know, I don't want to lean too hard in analytics, but that tells me that's a pretty bad shot. But <laughs> you know, those those are the two kind of the two emphasis, and again, it's hand in hand. And so, you know, it's it's talk, and and I, I, I understand what he's doing. I, I with the Porzingis stuff, I want to see kind of how this all looks because I I wonder if there's not just some.
2: Um, old-fashioned
1: smoke being blown up his arse well i was going to say real <laughs> quick, man
2: to go back to what we were just talking about what did doc rivers do all last season right? yes right i mean with ben wondered- simmons he yeah. talked him up all season this felt this felt from the beginning like a very similar move by jason kidd right off the bat to try to boost some confidence in a guy who had a rough year and is trying to get back to where the Mavs. Yeah,
1: b- boost some confidence and look we all know that the mavs kind of, you know, we can play semantics. They at least sniffed around to see if Porzingis would have value in the trade market, and, and the answer at the time was no. Um, we know Porzingis was not happy all last year and did his best to be a good soldier, but just wasn't wasn't happy. You know, some of that is he wasn't happy with his role. Some of that is he wasn't happy because he did feel like uh, Luca, you know, I'm open. Like, do you want to not dribble till there's two seconds left on the clock every <laughs> possession? Like, what are you doing? Um, and so you know I there's that was definitely... something that
0: happened with LeBron early in his career I mean obviously mm-hmm. not every possession but LeBron was a real dribble the you know the, the game was played so differently I mean I was yeah. just re- I was just reviewing Carmelo and LeBron's rookie year because you know their teammates finally I'm like there were games in Carmelo's rookie year where the 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 Nuggets scored 60 points, six zero. not even like 68, 60 points.
2: I was, right. watching, the, I was watching the mouse at the Powell stock the other day in game, game six of the conference finals that year, I think was 65 to 56 or 59 oh, or something God. completely insane between the Pacers and Pistons. I, yeah. I was watching, I was like, this is a halftime score today. It's unbelievable.
0: Right. So it was a different game, but you know, LeBron would just sometimes dribble 19 seconds out, and then he would throw like a heat-seeking missile yeah. into the corner. And the, yes, there was a guy open who got the ball, and the problem was like shoot it. And it's like, yeah, well, the ball arrived with two seconds on the shot clock, you know. Yeah,
1: they're grenades. They're grenades. Yeah, like exactly. the, the pin that's, has that's been pulled, way. and you've got no choice but, right. to, yeah. Right. And so guys can, you know, you can get assist that way, but it's not necessarily great pass. But again, to me also though, it's like I do have a hard time. Like, okay, Lucas ball hogging is the reason. Like, dude, the. This dude just averaged 35 and 10 officially in a playoff series. He's the only reason you went to seven games against the Clippers. So uh, this whole, like, he needs to trust his teammates. Well, you you added a couple of three and D role players. Like, who, who's like who's the playmakers that's going to take pressure off of him? Uh, you know, is, is Dragic getting a buyout in Toronto? I don't see that coming. Not anytime soon. Uh, you know, Brunson is had a good regular season last year. Then he's struggling in the playoffs. Maybe he can take another step, but still like the Mavericks wanted to add playmaking in the off season. They didn't. So like, if you want Luca to trust his teammates, you've got to make roster upgrades, uh, along with that. Now, trust in Porzingis. We're going to see again, full health, the season, blah, blah, blah. We've been through all that. Uh, the other thing is Porzingis is a power forward again, which is interesting
2: Yes. Um, Dwight
0: Powell His name yeah. was he hear, your starting center? Let me
2: ask you, let me ask you a question about that big man. So I saw your tweet. I think it was either yesterday or today that Dwight Powell is going to start at center and Chris S. is going to be a power forward. My question is, how do you think the Mavs are going to end games? Cause to me that matters a lot more than how they're going to start games. And, and I
1: don't know that I, I, I don't know. I don't know that there will be a consistent closing five, um, you know, I don't because, you know, you could easily see him uh, putting Reggie Bullock out there, um, sure. bumping Finney Smith to the four, Porzingis to the five, and then and, and that being your closing group. You know, you could even see Kleber out there, and, you know, he's more of a four than a five. Yeah. Um, you know, Powell offensively is purely a five. You know, the other thing is, like, you hear, well, okay, Porzingis is the power four, and I asked kid this yesterday, like, what does that look like defensively? Because Porzingis ain't chasing guys. He ain't chasing these, you know, modern fours out on the perimeter. Yeah, you're absolutely crazy if you think that's happening. So I still think he's going to be really the five defensively. And you know, Maz fans don't like this. M
0: um, F F
1: M F F Ls. Watch your mouth. <laughs> um, this is a family podcast. Um, <laughs> but. I looked it up today. So last year, get this, it was 120 minutes. So we're talking small sample size. Porzingis, Powell, the defense rating of those two guys on the floor last year was 132. That seems 100, bad. 132 points per 100 possessions, but they were both coming off surgeries. You know, like they're, I mean, Powell didn't look right until late in the year. Porzingis, you know, I don't know if he ever looked fully back, but obviously he was dragging around. Uh, the year before that, this that's the way they started games the year before that until Powell unfortunately uh, ruptured his Achilles. And it was, a, it was very effective. Uh, you know, like a plus 12 net rating, 105 and change defensive rating, 117 and change offensive. Like it was very effective. The thing about it, though, is if you remember, Porzingis didn't really take off offensively that year until Powell went down. And he could play the five. He could be the guy yep. who was in the pick and roll uh, when he when he was the four. And because you know, pal, Powell, if pal spotted up on the wing, no one's worried about that. You're clogging the, sp- the spacing up. He's going to shoot 22 percent from three, and teams going to say, "Please let him take a bunch of those." He and it, but he can be a very good, you know, screen, hard roll, lob threat. But if that's the case, what's Porzingis doing? He's spotting up for three. And then, you know, he's mad early, if not mad, he's, he's, he's not happy. So I'm, I'm very curious to see, uh, I really want to see exactly how this all works. But again, if the, if the idea is, Hey, let's get Porzingis a bunch of uh, mid-range looks man, yuckatory to, to <laughs> use a technical term.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes in Dallas. Uh, so Porzingis is a power forward again. Guess who's a center, Bon Temps?
1: Uh oh, about time.
0: Apparently, apparently Anthony Davis. Um, or who, is he? Or is he? It, so I was watching. I was watching the Lakers media day, which they they very kindly did on Tuesday.
2: Can I read you um, a oh quote from Anthony Davis, Brian, on this topic from media day? Yes, yes, go ahead. So I, I got this from our pal Dave McMenamin uh, to make sure we had it right. So Anthony Davis got asked, "Are you going to play more center this year?" Here's what he said. There was expectations, and that was discussed, and I expect to play center. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Me and Frank, Mm. Frank Vogel, me and Frank talked about it a couple times, and that's the plan right now. Nothing is set in stone. Uh But we want to see what that looks like, and I'm comfortable with that. Mm. Obviously, there will be times where Dwight or DJ, DeAndre Jordan, might be the starting center, depending on games. But (laughs) But for the most part, I think the plan is to go with me playing center. I would say that was an all-over-the-place statement about are you going to play more center? But some yes, some no, and some maybe. Yeah.
1: But um, here, uh, obviously the problem is if he doesn't, they're going to be chipping the paint off the rim because the spacing <laughs> is gross. Well, and this like, to this have... be
2: clear, this to me is another question. Like Chris Porzingis, in Dallas, I'm much more interested in what they look like in the fourth quarter of a close game against a good team than right. at the start of the game you know, during the regular season, especially like that, that would be the more interesting part to me. Cause you know, that's where the games will be won and lost.
0: Well, the concept of Anthony Davis playing center and LeBron playing power forward with
2: two shooters
0: and Westbrook, uh, that is a very intriguing lineup. You can play fast. You can play slow. You can throw the ball into the post and let LeBron operate. You can space the floor. Uh, you can run pick and roll with, um, with Russ and, and AD I mean there's a lot of things to like about it but that requires LeBron and AD to defend those guys at the other end of the court and they don't like doing it and so you know, you know I
1: th- I know these guys are hesitant but like this ain't 1996 like who like who in the west are you worried about having to bang with on the block really who Jokic I, and who else
0: I, you know I just think one of the things I've learned, McMahon is you know when you go back when we were allowed to be in the locker room and you could like really be up with guys after games, the big men, their arms always have cuts on them, you know they're they're always bruised they're they're look, always look, way more tired like Russell Westbrook's
1: I, arms looks like he just he just you know had a big old hug with Freddy Krueger. I mean, I hear <laughs> what you're saying,
0: right. I but I just
1: right I, well. I I I d I just think that the whole idea of oh wow, can he handle the pounding? Like again, I just don't think I mean Aiton maybe, but it's not most of these teams, like, dude, if you want to dump the ball down uh on the block to uh what Steven Adams or what go bear like please. Right. Like, well I, not the the post up. It's know, just you know, as Rick Carlisle once said, the post up's a bad play. And that's why right. Porzingis is so glad Carlisle's gone.
0: <laughs> I remember
1: Lucas uh, glad for other reasons.
0: Circa circa two thousand six or something like that. Mike Dantoni being asked about post-ups and him talking about points per possession. Yeah. And being, you know, post-ups being less than one point per possession. And it was the first time I'd ever heard it. I was like, what's he talking about?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a um, like a this revolutionary con or people thought yeah. it was crazy, honestly. Let's let's be yeah. straight up. Um,
0: but I will say that the, the Lakers over the last two years, Frank really had that AD as center in, in the emergency glass. And mm-hmm. granted, last year there was injuries, but they just didn't go to it much. And of course, you're not going to go to start the game. That's what AD is talking about when he says, Dwight. By the way, you see how Dwight messes up their incredible numerology? The Lakers. Yeah, they're roster, all single digits. The Lakers roster goes zero, which is Westbrook. Zero one two three four five six that's LeBron seven can't have an eight because Mr. Bryant is in the rafters mm-hmm. and then it's nine ten eleven twelve and then there's somebody else and Dwight is thirty six
1: well you couldn't be thirteen anyway either
0: that's Chamberlain yep um all right well anyway it's incredible numerology for the Lakers I'm sure there's no he's thirty nine
1: anyway thirty nine oh, 39.
0: 39. okay sorry yeah three plus anyway. nine
1: is twelve you know
0: Okay, there you go. Um,
1: hey, maybe maybe this is the year Dwight finally becomes that three-point shooter that he's been working you know that, that we've seen yeah. in, uh, in why don't you in go summer do film, a, film and
0: Why don't you go do a story on Dwight's revolutionizing his game? I'm sure that's never been done before. <laughs> I'm sure the bosses would be happy to buy out. Listen,
1: before. hey, I will if, in, for you know, to Dwight's credit, last summer and this summer, uh, you know, there was not the hey, Dwight has matured. Uh, like well, he's he's at least snapped that. I think it was like eight or nine straight postseasons or uh, <laughs> off seasons that we had. the Dwight has matured. Dwight has realized, you know, his his role. Like uh, he's fi- finally like, hey, he he's, he's he really did get it.
0: Uh, this is just in time. Is, just in time the to story. avoid the big three. This is a story you should write. You should go to various training camps and talk about guys who haven't changed. I want to write a story about Dwight Howard is still immature. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I want Dwight talk Howard about a still guy farts a lot. <laughs> I want to talk about. A he doesn't demand
1: post ups anymore.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about a guy who gained ten pounds of fat instead of ten pounds of muscle. That's the story I'm looking.
2: For. Well, we had that last year with Luke. I can assure you. <laughs> can I can I make a nice segue with that yes. comment, Brian? Uh, so LeBron James was asked about his new superstar teammate Russell Westbrook. This is part of what he had to say. As far as Russ, we need Russ to be Russ. We don't need Russ to change for anybody. That's why we got him. And it's our job to help him feel comfortable in our system. And he's going to be as dynamic as he's always been. I look forward to that. Now, my question for the group. How is LeBron going to feel about Russ being Russ when Russ, like he always has, grabs a rebound with 90 seconds to go, dribbles down the court, and takes an 18-footer with 18 seconds on the shot clock and doesn't give LeBron the ball? Probably How is about he going to like feel about his that?
1: childhood friend. Who who <laughs> insisted that they give up Chris Paul and a whole slew of, of draft picks, probably about the same way that that guy felt about it. the The question with Russ: Will he be the first guy to play for five teams on a five year uh, <laughs> max deal?
2: Well, I, this this is I Look, this could work well, especially if they do play D at center. Like there is a world where this works well, but the Westbrook Lebron relationship on the court. Is going to be very fascinating to watch because well, as we I'm sure know, there won't,
1: I'm sure there won't be much attention on it. Though no, no attention
2: at all, <laughs> totally under the radar. And as, as we all know, LeBron is used to having the ball in his hands all the time, and mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook has to have success with it. That's right, and Russell Westbrook always has the ball in his hands all the time when he's on the court. So that if Russell Westbrook doesn't have the ball in his hands, you're wasting, you're wasting That's right, right. and we saw because it he last goes from, time. he goes
1: from being really dynamic to
2: a spacing killer. That's right. And we saw in Houston in particular, right? The last team that had really high ambitions with him when he was playing with his childhood friend, James Harden, as you know, better than anybody, big man, their, their season changed midway through when they basically scrapped their entire plan, traded Clint Capella and said, we have to build a team around Russell Westbrook, not James Harden, because otherwise it's going to be a disaster.
1: And I will say this Russ's numbers pre COVID when they went small, he he lit it up. I mean, he was yes. averaging like thirty-two eight and eight, shooting like fifty-four percent from the floor. I mean, he played the best basketball he's played since his MVP year during that what was it a two and a half month stretch. Now it didn't end well. Um, again, that it, it, there was so much going on there, and the fact that he got COVID and just the whole thing got weird. I, I, and he got COVID, then he got hurt in a bubble. Um, so we, I, I think people overreact and say like the, the, obviously the strategy long-term was a disaster, but in terms of that season strategy, I think people chalk the small ball experiment up as a failure when I just think, you know, they had some unfortunate circumstances. You never
2: know what could have happened if things had gone differently, but again, but 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 to your
1: point, like playing big with Russell Westbrook with a, with a, you know, modern center at power forward too, and basically. Uh, you know lebron over there and then maybe one shoot like that ain't it dude also listen well, deandre, jordan, DeAndre training- jordan is one of the best cheerleaders in the nba like let deandre play to his strengths sit on the bench and do funny dances that's what he's good <laughs> at now
0: he's been on deandre for like three years now it's been amazing to hear
2: um and he's been right thi- <laughs> <laughs> i've had the I've thing had decent is
0: points the thing is, in the past, when A.D. has said, oh, I might play center and then hasn't, it hasn't been really that much of an issue because the Lakers had a lot of other redeeming qualities. They have other redeeming qualities now, too. But if you don't play small, you cut Westbrook off at the knee.
1: And it's not even like you said small. The fourth quarter it's not Sen- even it's not even
0: small. It's versatile. You're playing right with a, with a shooting. Fight. Yeah. It's a lot like trying Anthony to build Davis around Ben is, Simmons. Anthony Davis. Go back to is, the
2: beginning of our discussion.
0: Yeah, Anthony Davis
1: is a you know he's as big as the vast majority of starting centers in the NBA. LeBron James probably outweighs maybe every starting power. Who like oh well not Zion but and who knows what Zion's <laughs> going to weigh coming back <laughs> off this foot surgery. By the way, <laughs> that's another that's a whole nother subject. Um, but there, it's not a small lineup. You know, especially if Ariza, maybe I don't know if Ariza will be your three or not. But my point is, like six eleven and you know muscular, a a six foot nine tight end, and then you know, you got to have space at the other
2: spots. Got to have space. Yeah,
1: that's not small,
2: but like space is versatile. Yeah,
1: versatile and spacing. They're not starting PJ
0: Tucker at the five. That's true. Yeah, so again, I'm not going to, as I've said before, I'm going to, hopefully you guys will keep me accountable. I'm really not going to react to the Lakers for a while. I mean it's not to say that if they don't have a 5 game losing streak I won't be like hmm let's look yeah. under the hey, hood a
1: little that, bit. that that that's what bond timpson and uh, and i are known for is holding you accountable and overreacting <laughs> we're going to provoke your ass we're going to oh we we're going to get you yelling and screaming and wait what did he call you last year bond oh no you <laughs> called him a jackass we're going to be jackassing it up on a regular basis on this pod
0: Well, I just, I'm trying, I'm trying uh, to make, you know, everybody makes their big pronouncements in the preseason, you know, Um, like, you know, I'm going to play center stuff like that. Um, I am going to not judge the Lakers.
2: Well, look, we've seen the past two years. We've seen the past two years, like not to be flippant. I mean, I've certainly been critical of Russ over the past couple of years for how things have gone, but as the years have gone on, he's played better in the second half of these years as he's gotten comfortable where he's at, and frankly, as these teams have adjusted to him and sort yes. of tailor-made their games to him. And that's, what to me, what's interesting about this is that you've got LeBron James, arguably the greatest player of all time, and still is one of the best players in the league and is used to having the ball in his hands all the time. And to make this work with Russ, if he's really going to say, we don't need Russ to change for anybody, well, if Russ isn't changing, then LeBron's got to change pretty significantly for what, that and, to work. And that's and the what interesting happened? dynamic.
1: What happened when LeBron teamed up with Dwayne Wade? It took a while. I mean, you, you can argue a whole year. What? But especially, like, Wendy, what were they when LeBron bumped uh, Spolstron down? So nine like and eight. Tw- yeah. Nine so, and you eight. Know, what happened when he when he w- goes back to Cleveland? It took a while with Kyrie. Uh, 19 and 20. Right. That was, so a, it,
0: that was a fun night in Phoenix.
1: Yeah. So it's like uh, 19 and
0: it, 20. So. It won't be
1: surprising if they're hovering around 500. Uh, You know, a month or two into the season, given LeBron's history
0: adjusting yes, to another dominant guy both and Russ's. If, yeah. If both it, of them. You know, they've got they've got a favorable early season schedule, as is normal. The the Lakers don't leave Southern California very much for the first month. Um, Every team plays the same amount of games, the same amount of days, same road games, same schedule is
2: always heavily weighted towards TV, which means their schedule is always heavily weighted towards being tough the second half of the year.
0: Right. And they also have to clear out of Staples Center for some mid-year events. So they tend to play a lot of home games early in their schedule. So this goes both ways. If they start, you know, six and five, let's hold our horses. If they start 11 and one, let's hold our horses. Let's just see how it goes and, you know, wait and see whether, how things unfold. I, you know, it's the concept of LeBron playing with mellow. That is going to be an interesting dynamic, how mellow fits in. I mean, they're going to be a
2: super interesting team to watch on a lot of fronts. I'm really excited yes. to watch them play. There's a lot of stuff will, to watch from a basketball yes.
0: standpoint. Will Rondo like be regular season Rondo or will he be playoff Rondo or will he be, I'm not going to play at all for games on end rondo because i think that could happen mm-hmm. you know, by the way like, i have a
2: question i have a question about rondo that actually our boy McTen asked me yesterday do we think he's going to be a hall of fame player yes yes
0: yeah because they I had do. that one photo where you know they had that photo at media day where they had six guys out there and they were like oh there's six hall of famers you know it was lebron ad russ dwight rondo Melo. carmelo yeah. Say what you want.
1: He was a major part of two championship teams. He racked up a bunch of accolades
2: during his Celtics tenure. Uh, I, I his think resume was there. better than I remembered, and Dave ran through it. I mean, he made he made a couple all-NBA teams. He made four all-star teams. He obviously was part of that, like you said, that 08 team. Um, you know, he made four all-defensive teams. It, w- it was a better – it was a stronger resume from that standpoint I, than, and, I, expected, than I, th- I remember. I think
1: winning that title with the Lakers kind of bumped him – over the edge, and he was a significant part of that. Um, I, I I bet you that Rick Carlisle will make his induction
0: <laughs> He'll be his uh, presenter. Um, and then Ray Allen, both.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> um, you know, here's the thing. Um, it's very hard to judge the Hall of Fame because the uh, entry st- uh, situation is so cloaked in secrecy. It's completely opaque. Uh, no one talks about it. Uh, there's certain guys in the Hall of Fame who, you know, Rondo absolutely has a better resume than. And there's certain guys out of the Hall of Fame who, Rondo doesn't have their resume. So um, it's all it's, true. You know, so so when it comes, like, you know, we have a general idea of, like, you know, the the baseball writers who completely own the process and the Major League Baseball. There's a general uh-huh. idea of how they vote. Um, you can kind of project which guys might make it and which not it's just such a weird process and there's, there's different ways to get in and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm certainly not going to say that he's not, it was just but an interest.
2: Woke- I had, I, it was his resume. was a lot stronger because you forget because it's been such a long time, but that run that five-year run at the beginning with the Celtics yeah. was awfully strong.
1: Bontemps, can I ask you something? Have you ever used the word opaque in a sentence?
0: <laughs> yes, of course. Really? Wow. I don't think I ever have. Have you ever used the word opacity?
1: I don't even know what that means.
2: <laughs> you had
1: a when when you guys had the machine on. I feel like you were trying to up the intellectual level when he, when he was replacing me. I mean, it, uh, it, not, it just, not just not just with him. <laughs> like I feel like you guys are trying to because re- Wendy, you had like two words on there like bifurcated. I'm like, what the hell does this have with thick glasses? Like, what are we talking about? Thick old eyeglasses for? Uh, I was, I was gonna to say to look the that that level,
2: up. the intellect level with you and the machine, very very similar very
1: sick. I had had to look up bifurcated and there was another one that I had to look up and clearly I forgot.
2: Oh,
1: Oh, well.
0: We love you, McCann. You're not going anywhere. We had had a
1: former colleague who every time I read one of his stories, I'd have to have uh, yourdictionary.com up on another window. You know exactly who I'm talking about.
0: You know who owns dictionary.com? Who's that? Dan Gilbert. Okay. See, I paid part of LeBron's salary then. Thank you for listening to the podcast, McMahon and Bontemps. We got another season. Here we go again. Yeehaw. Here we go, boys.
2: Very excited. It's going to be a great season. Very excited. two pods,
0: a, two pods a week going forward. Thanks for to Bontemps and McMahon. Thanks to Jackson, our producer. Everybody have a good week. Adios,
1: amigos.